0: following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings, starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motukia Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available at 799-1000
1: chapter number 18, verses 1 to 10, and John Wesley will be doing our scripture reading for us.
0: Good Our scripture reading for today will be taken from uh, Psalms, 18 verses, uh, S- Psalms 18, verses 1 to 10. Psalms 18, verses 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my strength and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Verse 4. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then the shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He he bowed the heavens also and came down. And darkness was under his feet. and And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Lost your wonder. I wonder if you come to the Christmas stories, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, and you begin to think, oh, ho oh hum, these are the verses we're supposed to read at Christmas time. I wonder if you've lost your wonder. I don't know if you've noticed, but this is the third sermon in this series, and eighth time I've begun with that question. I wonder if you've lost your wonder. I hope you haven't lost your wonder hope you realize that this is a special thing that God did when He took on flesh. And it should open our minds and cause our minds to wonder. I hope that you look at the incarnation of Christ as a glorious thing, amazing thing. It should blow your mind. I think back to 2006. I took James Naudy to the USA with me. Now, I'm, I'm, I can tell this story today because James isn't here. He's in Kodidanga right now. Uh, but I took James, 2006. At that time, he had never been to Port Moresby, all right? And if you look closely at James, Maniai got suit nose. He grew up in the village. The closest thing he'd ever been to Port Moresby was he came to Malalawa one time. And then he lived in the bush remote place and I remember that day, we came into Port Moresby. His first time, he came on a highway truck all the way in. We came on a Dyna, the two of us. We came into Port Moresby together. And we, then we got on the airplane. Right before we got on the airplane to go to America, we stopped at ChemCare. Does that place even exist anymore? KimCare, it's still around. We went to ChemCare, and we got a 24-picture FunSaver. Do you remember those cameras? FunSaver, you click Click. You have no idea what you took a picture of. <laughs> Later, you'll, get a, you'll find out when you wash the film. You remember those days? We got a 24-fun 24, 24 saver for James. You take pictures while you're in America. That was the plan. We got on the airplane from here to Cairns, and he finished all 24 pictures out the window. <laughs> He took pictures, and I, I know what he was taking pictures of because we were flying from here to Cairns. It's just over the reef, and it's beautiful. From the air, it's beautiful. You can see the ocean. You can see the reef from the, oh, from the air. But when you wash those pictures, you're going to get 24 pictures of the engine of the airplane. That's all. And then for three months, we traveled the U.S. together. He and I, we went some places and he just, I hope all get a, he just really enjoyed. We, he saw so many places. One evening, I took him to a major league baseball game, sellout crowd, 40,000 people in the stadium, and they did a fireworks display at the end of the baseball game. And I thought he would be amazed by the crowd. I thought he would be amazed by the fireworks. He was terrified by the fireworks. He grabbed my arm like a child. <laughs> what's it going to be like? I said, I said it's going to be beautiful. I said, it might be a little bit loud. He said, it's going to go boom, boom, boom. I said, you're going to be fine, buddy. It'll be okay. (laughs) He's grown a lot since then. But that evening, as we walked out of the stadium, in the crowd, thousands of people. Now, I'm sure somebody was picking pockets, but I wasn't worried about it. There were thousands of people. Everybody's headed to their cars, and they're going to leave. And James made a statement that night that made me realize what wonder is really all about. He said, this has been amazing. And then he said these words, what must heaven be like? That made my mind to just go, you realize that the things that we think of as wonderful here on the earth are to the eyes of God as just little children playing with mud cakes in the streets. It's nothing. So let your mind just wander with wonder as we see God stooped down and became flesh. Took on robes of flesh for the very purpose so that He could live as a human being and then go to the cross and die for you and me. Give His very life for us so that He could redeem us unto Himself. Let your mind wander with wonder. And so this, as we come into the story today, I don't want you to think, we're going to pick up our passage in verse 57, I don't want you to think for just one moment that this is just a story of ho-hum. No. An angel appeared to an old man beside the altar of incense. That hadn't happened in 500 years. And an angel, Gabriel, appeared to an old man, and he said, oh, by the way, your old wife is going to have a baby. Let me let you in on a secret. That's not ho-hum. Old women don't have babies. And then, six months later, he appeared to Mary, and we saw that last week. He appeared to Mary and said, hey, Mary, you are highly favored among all the women of ever. You're going to have a baby. And she goes, how can that be because i've never been with a man and let your mind wander with wonder because virgins don't have babies here's god doing amazing things the messiah is about to be born by the way the most pivotal moment in all of history all of the old testament anticipated the moment of the coming of the messiah and all of the new testament and All of history since then, we have looked back upon it. For when we say the very words, it's about to be New Year 2023, we're marking them off of the birth of Christ. We mark our very days according to this. It's the most pivotal moment in all of history. And the angel has just said, it's going to happen. I want to just remind you from verse 56, before we read verse 57, I want to remind you, verse 56, Mary abode with her, that's Elizabeth, about three months and then returned to her own house. So just keep that in mind. Mary has come to see Elizabeth, they spend three months together, now it's time for John to be born. That's what we're going to see today. The birth of the forerunner. By the way, verse 57 to verse 80 is our passage. I will break it into two major portions. The first portion is the birth of the forerunner, the birth of John, and the second part is Zacharias's song of praise. We'll see his song of praise in just a minute. The old man's got something to sing about. We'll read verse 57 first. Let me read verse 57 and 58 together. Verse 57, we'll see the birth of John. Here it is, verse 57. The, and now, Elizabeth's full time came. She should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. So this is just a pretty uh, normal setting of a scene. If you want to say an 80-year-old woman having a baby is normal. There's a number of things that I notice in these two verses. I'll just set the scene here. There's a number of phrases that I want to point out. Look closely at the first phrase there in verse 57. Now, Elizabeth's full time came. That's worth pointing out, by the way. It's a miracle that an old woman conceived, it's another miracle that the old woman carried the baby to the full time. In recent days, studies have been done, medical studies have been done that show a direct link between the age of the mother, the older a mother is, the greater the percentage of chance that the child will be born prematurely. In fact, when a mother moves from 30 to 35 years old, the the percentage of increase of a preemie baby is 9%. Prior to 30 years old, it's only 7%. When she goes from 30 to 35, it's now 9%. And when you go from 35 to 40, it jumps to 14%. They don't have studies beyond 40. Do you know why? Because older women don't have babies. And so if you can just extrapolate the percentage change from 30 to 35 to 40, now put it to 80, the chances of this baby going all the way to full term are very slim and yet John was born at full term. Here is 80-year-old mom has a baby, first baby in her life, by the way. She has the baby. We get concerned when an older mother is going to have a baby for the first time. Here is Elizabeth at old age. Just to be pregnant is a big deal. To be pregnant all the way to the full term is a huge deal. She has this baby and he's healthy, no birth defects, no premature. She has her hands full now at 81 years old with a baby. And then notice it says that she brought forth a son. No surprise here. That was what the angel said was going to happen. They did not have to have a gender reveal party to figure out, is she going to have a boy or a girl? (laughs) No, because the angel Gabriel said, you're going to have a son. No surprise. She has a son. But then I like this phrase here. It says, her neighbors and her cousins heard, and they rejoiced with her. When you're 80-year-old Elizabeth, guess who your family members are? For her, it's not her children and grandchildren. She doesn't have children and grandchildren. And it's not her mom and her grandma. They're long dead. All that she has left is cousins, and perhaps, maybe, as I think of Mary being one of her cousins, and the massive age difference, perhaps she might have an auntie or two left. But the majority of her family is cousins. And so here she has cousins and friends, neighbors, and they come and they rejoice with her. And what are they rejoicing about? And here's the phrase, how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. That statement, by the way, you can draw a straight line from that statement in verse 58 back to verse 25. Her statement in verse 25 was, The Lord has dealt with me in the days wherein He looked on me to take away my reproach among men. She's rejoicing in God's mercy in her pregnancy, and now she's rejoicing in God's mercy in the delivery of a son. And now it is time to name that boy. The Jewish custom is to name the son on the eighth day. This is the same time when that son would be circumcised and it would be customary for them to bring in some of the other priests to come and be a part of that ceremony. Those priests would be involved in the naming ceremony. And here we have the naming in verse 59. Verse number 59. It came to pass, on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Now, this is a problem. Because the angel Gabriel told Zacharias, you're supposed to name this baby John. John. And yet, family, neighbors, and cousins, and the priests are saying, let's name him Zacharias. Now, I think that that is a moment of showing honor to Zacharias, the old priest. That just makes sense. If this had been born a girl, they probably would have said, let's name her Elizabeth. That just makes sense. But there's a problem. The Gabriel angel said, name him John. But we have a further problem because old man Zach... Is quiet in the corner. You remember what his problem was, right? He didn't believe. When the angel said, you're going to have a son, you remember what Zacharias said. Any chance you could show me a sign? And you remember what the sign was. You want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Hush your mouth. For nine months, you're not going to say anything until all of these things come to pass. That was the phrase that was given. And here he is sitting in the corner. I can just imagine he's sitting in the corner. Now, verse 60 the mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. I think they're just going to hold their ground here for just a moment. Elizabeth says, No, wait. His name is John. Where'd she get that? She got it from, a, from Zacharias. He's been writing a lot of things down lately. One of the things he wrote down was, The baby's name is John. Elizabeth is going to stick with her husband on this. This baby's supposed to be named John. But I can see the friends and family, the cousins and the priest, I can see them kind of pushing back. No, Zacharias, it just makes sense. He looks like a Zacharias, right? I mean, the baby must be, he must look like old and wrinkly, long beard, right? (laughs) Looks like him. It's out of respect, I think. And now, verse 61, they said unto her, there's none of thy kindred that is called by this name. It's time for Zacharias to give his input and I wonder as I think back through the story that we saw a couple of weeks ago I think back at how he might have reacted look back at verse 20 with me and see what it was that Gabriel had said to him verse 20 behold thou shalt be dumb unable to speak not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. I wonder how many times he's rehearsed those words in his mind. Have you ever heard somebody say something, and then as time went by, the way you remembered it is not exactly the way that it was said? I know that that's what happens in my head. I hear something, and then later on, I've just kind of rehearsed it so many times that now maybe it's taken on a different form. You you ever have that happen? I wonder if that's what's happened with Zacharias. Because I can totally understand that he has forgotten when he's getting his voice back. You can see it in this day. If he knew he's getting the voice, you guys know the story, all right? You know the story. As soon as he says, his name is John, writes it down. As soon as he does that, he's he's getting his voice back. And if you knew that that's all you got to do, you get up that morning, it's day number 8. His name is John. <laughs> Let's go straight there. I think he's forgotten that. And I wonder how many times he's rehearsed this in his mind. I talked with the angel. The angel said, you want to sign hush up 9 months, the baby's been born, these things have come to pass. What left is there. I wonder if he's disappointed. I wonder if he's just over in the corner. Name the kid. You guys do what you're supposed to do. Go through the ceremony. I wonder if he's a disappointed dad in the corner. Just let it go on. Oh, he's happy about his son. He's happy about naming his son, but he's no longer a part of any conversation that's going on in the house. He's long lost his voice. And he's just over on the side, quiet they made signs to him, verse number 63, sorry, verse number 62, they made signs to his father how he would have him called. So now they finally want to get his input on this. They ask, hey, what is his name supposed to be? Now I notice the words in verse 62, they made signs to the father. John MacArthur said that he thinks that the they here is not Elizabeth and her cousins, but perhaps the priests that are there for the ceremony. They made, and I can just imagine, I can follow that line of thinking. It does not say he was deaf. It said he was dumb. The, the angel said, you're not going to speak. It didn't say you won't speak and can't hear, but here these perhaps these priests that have just shown up today they're here for this ceremony the naming of the child circumcision and they're just going to be a part of this they've been told dad can't hear and so i just imagine they're there his name shall be zacharias and they're like no i think he's got something you want to say how do you even sign what's his name how do you sign that name name what's his name i don't know how do you sign that and here they are and this is zacharias's moment they've asked him what's he supposed to be named and notice it verse 63 and he asked for a writing table if i was zacharias i'd be carrying a writing table around He asked for a writing table, give me a writing table, and he wrote, his name is John, and they marveled all, it shocked them, he wrote it down, by the way, the name John means the Lord is merciful, and oh, how the Lord has shown mercy upon Zacharias, and even uh, Elizabeth has said it, he's shown mercy upon me in my old age, and then... Verse 64, it says that his mouth was opened immediately. Verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and he praised God. Zacharias gets to speak again and I wonder how long it took Elizabeth to tell him to hush up. Uh, but here he's been, he's been working this through in his mind probably 10,000 times he's been thinking about this. When is it that I'm supposed to start speaking again? Have I lost the ability to speak ever again? And now when these things are all accomplished, including naming him John, now his mouth is opened his lips are opened and he gets his voice back and he does the very thing that you're supposed to be doing with your voice and that is praise God that's exactly what he did look at it in verse 64 his mouth was opened and immediately and his tongue was loosed and he spake and he praised God that's exactly what your lips were formed for God created your mouth to praise God. And here he has been unable to do anything with his mouth for the last nine months and ten days. He hasn't been able to say a single thing. In the moment that God opens his lips, he goes, I'm going to do the very thing I'm supposed to do with my lips. And he praised God with his lips. Now that he has his voice back, verse 65 says, Fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea, And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. I'll just point out something real quickly. Verse 39. End of the verse. The hill country, a city of Judah. J-U-D-A. Then verse 64. This saying was noised abroad throughout the hill country of Judea, J-U-D-A-E-A, two different places. They live in a city in the hill country of Judah tribe. The tidings went about all the hill country of Judea, the province. In other words, they lived in a smaller place, But the tidings went out to the bigger place. And here God's Word is going out, and what is going out is the fact that this baby, this baby is going to be special, and oh, how special he will be. And I have to tell you, Zacharias, while he's been sitting in the corner, has been paying attention. And I know that from his song. His song starts in verse 67. And it goes down to verse 79, and this song is something else. I'll read through the song, and then I'll it down. But before I read through it, I want you to notice some words in verse 67 that are very important. It says, His father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he prophesied, saying, and then the song goes... I don't know if you picked that up when it said that he was filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of talk in modern day about being filled with the Holy Ghost. But in this chapter, a baby was filled with the Holy Ghost. And we saw last week the mom was filled with the Holy Ghost. And now we see the dad is filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me show them to you. Look at verse 15, Luke 1 and verse 15. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. That's different, by the way, than Jesus. He shall be great in and of himself. This one is John shall be great in the sight of the Lord. The prophecy of John's birth, verse 15. He shall neither drink wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. That's the baby John will be filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And then the next one is in verse number 41. This was the moment of the salutation when Mary walked in. And Mary said, Stopodayo morning through, Susa. When she, verse 41, that came to pass that Elizabeth, when she heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and the Holy Ghost went from filling John as a baby to filling Elizabeth as the mother. And then Elizabeth spoke out and said, How can it be that the mother of my Lord would come and see me? And now here we have at the birth and naming of John the forerunner. In verse number uh, six, 67, it says, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesied. And he's going to give this song. Let me just make a statement here. You too, brother and sister, can be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is different from being indwelt with the Holy Ghost. Indwelt happens at the moment of your salvation. We are sealed. That's the word that the Bible uses, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. You are sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. But then, Ephesians chapter 4, and I won't ask you to turn to it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 18 to 20 speak like this. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. In other words, when you are drunk, you act like someone who you are not. Don't be filled with alcohol, but instead be filled with the Spirit. That's the words of verse 18. Ephesians 4 and verse 18. Be not drunk with wine which is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And what does that look like? Here's verse 19 speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. What's that look like? Going through your daily, day to day, I'm going to be singing unto the Lord. You know what I'm doing? I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is, I'm going through my day and He's at the forefront of my thoughts. He's filling my life, and I'm going to act like somebody who I'm not. Just like a drunkard who would be controlled by alcohol, I'm instead being filled by the Spirit. And I'm being led to live a life that's different than my old man. And I'm going to be singing. My life and my voice and my heart's going to be joyous and then in verse 20 of Ephesians 5 he says giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ so I'm going to be giving thanks to the Father in the name of the Son with the help of the Holy Spirit you see the Trinity is at work in you so if you're depressed maybe you feel like at times you're far from God awaken your soul allow the Spirit to fill you be thankful be full of gratitude towards Him for what He has done. Meditate on His Word and let His songs fill your soul. So let's see Zacharias do it. Verse number 68. When you are filled with the Spirit, by the way, you will find yourself glorifying God just like Zacharias does here. Verse 67. Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He spake by the mouth of His holy prophets, which He have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to our father Abraham, that He would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. And I think in Zacharias' mind, he draws a line here. I'll show you the line later. Verse 76, he turns his attention to his son. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, but he can't keep paying attention to his son because he's given glory to God. So he switches back now, verse 78. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the song of Zacharias. It's called the Benedictus. Benedictus in Latin, that's the first word in the song, and it means praise be. We saw last week Mary's song was called the Magnificat, the magnifying of the Lord. And today we have the Benedictus, the praise, the glorying going to God. You can even see the words at the beginning of verse 68, blessed be, and he's giving praise to the Lord Keep in mind that Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus, has just now spent three months with Elizabeth in the house of Zacharias. And for those three months, yea, even for the preceding nine months, Zacharias' mouth has been shut. He has been unable to speak. I don't know if he was deaf, but let's just say perhaps he wasn't deaf. Perhaps the priests were mistaken when they signed to him because the angel never said he would be deaf, only said he would be dumb. And so let's say, for the sake of illustration, perhaps he sat in the corner and listened for three months as Mary, the mother of our Lord, lived in the house with Elizabeth, the one who was carrying the babe filled with the Holy Spirit does your mind begin to fill with wonder now? Think with me. As the babe, the second person of the Trinity, was in the womb of one woman and sat in the very same room with the Holy Spirit in the womb of another woman, As those two for three months hung out together, if the salutation alone made the babe John leap in the womb, what would have been the prolonged conversations for three months in that house? I imagine Zacharias sat in the corner and listened to some pretty fantastic conversations. And at the very least, if he was deaf, I know with all certainty that he was spending a lot of time in the Word. You know how I know that? Because in this, mag- in, in this song, the Benedictus, there are at least seven references to the Old Testament that I found, and there may be more. And how is it that I know that he was spending time in the Word? It's because when someone speaks, you can tell where they've been by what comes out of their mouth. And as he opens his mouth to give praise to the Lord, he can't help it, but the Word of God just comes flying out. Now, I'm going to spare you. I won't take you to all of those different references that I found, but I will make mention of a few of them. Zacharias has a lot to say as he glorifies God. Here, his mouth just got opened And he says a number of things. I've broken this into two sections. The first section is verse 68 to 75. The second section is uh, 76 to 79. In verses 68 to 75, he's going to make this statement overarching. Through the Messiah, God will do a work. That's what he says in verses 68 to 75. The first work that he's going to do is he will provide salvation for all people. Through the Messiah, he will provide salvation for all people. See it in verse 68 and 69. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he's visited and redeemed his people and has raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Blessed be the Lord. The very first words that come out of his mouth Lord be blessed. Glorify your name. Why? Because out of Israel you've raised up a horn of salvation for your people and it came out of the house of David. Guess which house Zacharias is not in. He's not in David's house. If you look at the lineage in chapter 1 and verse 5 was very clear about this. Zacharias is a priest, Levite, of the course of Abijah and his wife is of the daughters of Aaron, Levi. That's not Judah. David's of Judah. Levi's not of Judah. When you are Zacharias and you're going to sing a song about how God has been good to you and given you a son, you talk about your son. But guess what he's not doing? He's not talking about his son. He's talking about a different son. He's talking about one that comes of the line of Judah. Guess who that is? The horn of salvation. That's the phrase he used. Did you see it in verse 69? The Lord has raised up a horn of salvation. So when you hear the word horn, don't think trumpet horn. Not that one. Think of the horn that is on a bull. Or you need a better one on a rhinoceros. Or on a ram. You know what the horn is? The horn is the focal point of strength. You get around a bull, oh, he'll kick you. But if he gets you with his horn, you're done. A rhinoceros catch you with his horn, you're done. You get around the horn of a ram, you'll feel it. The focal point of strength is the horn. And you might remember from our scripture reading this morning, I'll read the verse for you. Psalm chapter 18 and verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler, that's my shield, and the horn of my salvation. The focal point of His strength is found in His salvation. What do you need to be saved from? You need to be saved from the wrath of God. So how do you find salvation? Salvation from the wrath of God. You hide in his own horn. That's Christ. If you're going to seek refuge from the wrath of God, don't run from him, run to him. Get as close to him as you possibly can. Yea, even hide in his focal point of strength. And here's Zacharias through the Messiah. He's going to bring us deliverance, he's going to give us salvation. Then the next thing he mentions is that he will keep his promises through the Messiah. God will keep his promises to Israel. See it in verses 70 to 73. As he spake by the mouth of the holy prophets, which have been since the world began. We've been having prophets for thousands of years, that's what he said. That we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of those that hate us, to perform the mercy... There's that word again. To perform the mercy promise to our fathers and to re- remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to our father Abraham. And I won't dwell here long because recently we spent a lot of time in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 where we saw the importance of God always keeping His promises. And here, Zechariah says, I haven't been able to speak for nine months, but what I want to say now is that God always keeps His promises. And He sent in His Messiah... As another way of keeping his promises. He made promises to Abraham, he's gonna keep his promises. And then another thing that he says, through the Messiah, God is enabling us to live for him all our life. See it in verses 74 and 75. 74. That he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. So when one conquering army comes and delivers a people from another conquering army, those people who have just been delivered just become slaves to the new conquering army. That's normal. But when God Almighty comes along with His Messiah and conquers us, He doesn't enslave us. He sets us free. And we serve him, the words, without fear, with holiness and righteousness for all the days of our lives. So brothers and sisters, revel, wonder in the fact that our Savior saves us and then sets us free to serve Him, where before our salvation we were enslaved to our sin, unable to break the bondage of it, and He comes along and conquers us, and conquers us in a way that sets us free. We're now free to serve Him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness all the days of our life. In other words, everlasting life doesn't, bol- doesn't begin when you die. It begins now. I get to have that now. Oh, Zacharias, I thought you were going to sing about your son. And you sang about the Messiah. Benedictus, blessed be. Oh, glorify the name of our Father. And now he slips over to talk about his son. But in speaking of his son, he speaks of the role that his son will take up. See it in verse number 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. I wonder in this moment, I wonder if Zacharias has taken up his son. They've had this whole circumcision ceremony. It's time to name him ceremony. Zacharias writes it. His name is John. And, John, and Zacharias has been glorifying God. And here in this moment, he even turns and he says, you. And so I can't imagine if perhaps at this point he's just come over to the priests or to his wife and taken John from their hands. Eight days old baby. Maybe he's wrapped in a blanket and he holds him. As he's singing this song of praise to God and he looks at his son and he says those words that are there in verse number 76, and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. Do you remember what the words were of Jesus? He shall be called the son of the highest. And John, you're going to be the prophet of the highest. John, you're going to go before Him. You're going to be the messenger. You're going to prepare the way. And in this, He is so thrilled. I say He knows His Bible because of the way that He says these words. And I can only imagine He's repeating Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 that God gave us a prophecy. I will send My messenger before My Son. And here, Zacharias knows it. My son, you're going to be the prophet of the the highest. I know you're going to do this. And he probably also realizes I'll never see this happen in my own lifetime because I'm an old man. But son, you're going to do it. There's hope in these words. You will go before the son of the highest. You will be the messenger. You will be the one who will make the... Highway in the desert, you will lower the high places, you will bring up the valleys. And then he doesn't stop there, and he can't help it. He switches back to talking about the Messiah in the next verse. Verse 78, through the tender mercy of our... Did you see the word again? Through the tender mercy of our God... Whereby the Day Spring on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I just want to pause before I address the day spring, because it's significant. I've been pointing out the word mercy as we walk through this passage. Verse fifty-eight. Her neighbors and cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. God had showed mercy on Elizabeth. And in verse 72, God had showed mercy on His people Israel. And now, verse 78, God is showing mercy on all mankind by sending Jesus. It says, God has shown His tender mercies upon us, and how has He done it? By sending the dayspring on high to visit us. Those words caused me to stop and meditate and study this week. God, what do you mean? What do you mean by these words? The dayspring on high has visited us. Those words are not words that we use. I went back. What is the, what's the Greek word that's used there? That word is used seven times in the New Testament. And every other time it is translated in the New Testament as east. This is the only time it's ever translated as day spring. It's translated as east in all of the other places. And I'll just give one of them so that you'll understand what I'm talking about. The wise men, Matthew chapter 1, the wise men came from the east. Can you start to see this now? East, day spring, the sunrise. And in that, I see old man Zacharias is quoting Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. I'll read it for you. I want you to hear these words. For unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And in Malachi chapter 4, it did not say son as in S-O-N, it said son as in S-U-N with a capital S. Malachi writes, the Son of Righteousness, capital S-U-N. If you didn't put a capital, it would be the sun that rises in the east. The day's spring, the one who comes from the east, the sun. But he calls it the Son of Righteousness with a capital S. This is the divine sun will come, and when he comes, he will come with healing in his wings. Oh, you remember what was said last week as a reminder of Isaiah 61? The prophecy will be fulfilled, John. He will walk through and the the dumb will speak. The lame will walk. The Gospel will be proclaimed to the poor. He will bring a change with Him. The sun will rise with healing in His wings. Oh, Zacharias has been hanging around with that Old Testament. John, you're going to make a highway in the desert But Jesus will come right on your heels. Six months behind you. And He will bring light to the path. For you can have a beautiful highway, but if you're in the dark, the highway is not appreciated. But if you get a beautiful highway and some light upon it, life just changed. And for those of us that are in need of light, look at how the light comes in verse number 79. He said, The day spring in verse 78 the day spring on high has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness. That's us. In our sin, we're in darkness. And in the shadow of death, that's been over us since the Garden of Eden. The shadow of death has been hanging over us, we've been left in darkness. We need the proto-evangelium. We need the first telling of the Gospel to come along and give us light. We need the day spring to come with healing in His wings. We need Him to come along. So John, yes, you are important, but the one that comes after you is massively more important. And He will, the last words of verse 79, he will guide our feet into the path of peace which causes my mind to race to Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Wherefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the passage ends in verse number 80. And the child grew. That's John. And he waxed strong in the spirit. He was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. I don't know if mom and dad passed away when he was a little one and he just went off on his own. He's out in the desert. Next time we see him, he's wearing camel's hair, eating wild honey and locusts. A rough fellow with the spirit of Elijah. Verse 80 just gave us a glimpse. There goes the forerunner. You'll see him later. You see, the birth of the forerunner is mercy. Last week I mentioned Whenever you see a word repeated in a passage, God's drawing emphasis. We've seen the birth of the forerunner, but the word that has been repeated more than any other word in this passage is the word mercy. And you know what mercy is, right? Mercy is God pouring out upon us things that we don't deserve. Oh, we deserve to be separated from Him and lost in our darkness, left in the shadow of death, without a light to our path. That's what we deserve. But our Heavenly Father in His mercy sent us a Messiah, but then before He sent the Messiah, He sent a forerunner. And you say, how is a forerunner? What does a forerunner even mean? Well, just think for a moment. Without the forerunner, if you took John out of the picture as we come to Christ, take John out of the picture, guess what we don't have? We don't have a forerunner. We have no announcement No baptism at the Jordan. No descent of the Holy Spirit as a dove upon Jesus. No declaration by the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. No declaration by John himself. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You see, the sending of the forerunner in itself is mercy for you and I. But the forerunner in himself is not the end. The Messiah is the end. And so may I say... As the forerunner would say, Oh come, let us adore him. Amen. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, may your wonder be renewed this morning. Amen. Father, I thank you for your grace upon our lives. And I look forward to the day, Lord, when you will return from heaven with a shout, this voice of the archangel and the trump of God. I look forward to that Advent, that coming of the Great One. But until then, we will echo the words of John the Forerunner look at Jesus. So Father, I thank you for sending the Lord Jesus to be born in a manger, and I thank you for sending the Lord Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. May we never look at you as ho hum. But I thank you for your grace upon our lives. May you be glorified in all we do. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 799-1000. Again, it's 799-1000.